This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host. This is like the last of the old shows. We're going to be uh, revamping a little bit, a little bit of polish uh, on, on the My Old Man Said podcast. Haven't had a chance to uh, get it ready for this uh, week's, but this the season hasn't started yet. This is the final podcast of the preseason. Joining me, Mr. Phil Shaw, Mr. Chris Budd. Welcome. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, he sounds a bit rough, that Phil Shaw. He does, doesn't he? He's groggy, groggy indeed. Yeah. I made the mistake of leaving the house and I've got COVID again. Ah, this is what happens, I thought Phil. COVID was, that's so, what, 2001? Oh, that's when Villa used to be crap. We're, 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 we're good now, so you, surely uh, COVID is obsolete as well. No, there's still a bit of it floating about. This is what happens when you play in Europe, you see, David. You pick up all these European germs. The moral of this story is do not get complacent for this season, I think, is what <laughs> yes, Phil is channeling so. a, a warning for us all. <laughs> do not get complacent uh, about this season because old issues may crop up again. This is the moral of the Phil Shaw story, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So what have you been up to uh, to get covid this, you've just dated the podcast. It feels so old already. <laughs> I know. Actually, I, do you know what I think it happened? I think it was weaker because I played a game of football for the first time in five years. It was like a charity game. And I was expecting like, you know, one of those walk on, walk off five minute things, but there was no subs. So I had to play the whole thing. So I, I now look at Scott Hogan with a whole new appreciation considering <laughs> the many touches I did. What was the Phil Shaw touch count? <laughs> what was the Phil Shaw position? Never mind that. Uh, it was sort of where Bailey plays, which is risky. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you and Bailey <laughs> hardly, hardly <laughs> pees from a pod, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> if you're trying to basically copy Bailey, uh, I don't think that's COVID you've got. Phil Shaw it's, it's, it's got something a lot shed. more sinister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just say that the right back didn't have much cover. Oh dear. How are you, Chris? I'm very quickly? well. Yeah, very well. Thank you. Anything exciting in your life? I've just been and seen Oppenheimer. Very good. Thank you very much. I won't. I won't spoil it. Yeah, don't. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's very good. A friend of mine gave it five point five out of ten, but Ooh. he's been a bit cynical. Oh, okay. Wow. Did I say friend? <laughs> <laughs> you don't hang out with five out of fives, do you? Maybe that's a bit strong. Maybe a five five point five out of ten friend kind of level. Ooh, I think. Okay. Uh, no, it's it's so good. It's good. So that's appropriate. I've just got back from uh, Sheffield and Hull. Some people go to Valencia. I go to Hull. I like to keep it real, people. That's my uh, capital of culture, Dave. Vibe. Yeah, I mean, I've been going on and off to Hull because there's a family member out there for 23 years, and I, for the first time, they actually told me about the old town. I've been to the old town before, but not deep into it, where they've got like pubs dating back from like you know 1720, 1730. And I went to the first ever pub in Hull, Ye Old Black Boy, and oh, we might get 
we might get accused of being racist on the show now as well as I just thought uh, Hall was xenophobic. All, all an old town. Well, the old town. <laughs> no, but it's William Wilberforce and the Emancipation of Slavery. Ah, there's a okay. there's an institute there just down the road. So it's it's I mean it's part of the heritage. That's why I mean I think Green King had uh, several pubs with the name Black Boy because the, the Black Boy pub is a name. You know, it's a bit like, uh, like the White Horse or the Red Lion or the yeah. White Horse. And they changed after consultation with their staff. They changed the name, but in this case, because it's so ingrained with the the whole William Wilberforce and the the kind of history of the emancipation of slavery in the docks of Hull or whatever, yeah. that's why it stays. But it's, oh, it's an incredible pub, really good. I mean, if you compare it to Birmingham, where a lot of old pubs have either been left for dead or they always get renovated or they get bought out by a chain that renovates them. But these are like original. You know, you're walking on the original staircases from you know. 300 years and the fireplaces are incredible so it was really good it was like oh nice. shit there is actually a side to hull that's not too bad <laughs> who knew I, mean, I saw ricky gervais in dublin uh, a few weeks ago i think he's doing the show in england uh the tour comes to england uh, well i think it's i think it's in birmingham uh september but you know they always throw in anytime hell is mentioned in a comic comedian's act they always reference hull within like five seconds and i think he was talking about his grandmother sucking cocks in hell and he said it could be worse it could be in in hull <laughs> but uh, anyway I, I, that's the context of the joke uh, is not in what i've just said there we don't have to worry about the things that go on in hell or hull because we're in we're in emery heaven at the moment aren't we gentlemen we are we're getting the results in preseason, but we, you know, we've got the results before. We're getting the results last preseason, but we saw seeds of concern last season, which I highlighted, especially that first half against United. Oh dear! This season, it's it's like a juggernaut getting yeah. oiled up, ready to go, isn't it? Yeah. No red flags. But we will get into that uh, in the main part of the show, where we we kind of look over the last few games but uh you know look at the context because we are now days away from the uh, the curtain opener against oh, excited. oh yeah I'm looking forward to this i'm revved up actually this, the season tickets dropped through the door today sans welcome pack but yeah uh, <laughs> second class poster might add well you know they've got to do it twice haven't they because they haven't got their shit together the chinese haven't delivered the whatever tack that's coming our way i, I mean i'd settle for another pen those pens are all right yep. they've served me well We're saving all the pens for the terrace view yeah Ooh. As, as, as well as the away tickets, I hear. And everything else, apparently. <laughs> I mean, we'll get on to this. So, uh, oh, one of the uh, perks of the Terrace View is we, can, we have a separate ballot for away tickets. And it says, tick, uh, how many away tickets you want? You could tick up to four. Unbelievable, isn't it? It's like, you, this is a fucking best Anyway, wankers. we'll get on to that in, a, in, a, in well, it, within a few seconds, I think. Yeah. Right, time to catch up on some news. Do we go for the, uh, the burglar bear that was finally captured in California? Is this coke? Is this cocaine bear who's finally been? Uh... No, I actually saw that. Uh, well, a few months ago when it came out, but uh, you know, enjoyable enough. But who is? What is this uh, burglar? I thought it was the burger bear when I saw it on the plan. I thought it was the bear that goes around stealing uh, burgers. I think it's had plenty of burgers because it's a five hundred pound bear or wow. two hundred and twenty-seven kilograms for Europeans. Known that it's known as Hank the Tank. And it's believed to have broken into 21 homes in the Lake Tahoe area. What, with like a swag bag and... Uh... <laughs> and a balaclava. <laughs> well, if it was that size, it wouldn't be doing it very stealthily, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be a cat burglar. Right, let's have some villain news.
Villa. I think last week, since we last spoke, I think it's been a week or so, we have done our European missions, beat Lazio 3-0, Valencia 2-1. So very satisfactory performances, but more of them later. Yep. The Europa Conference League draw has finally been made. Loads of permutations and basically you just like, just tell us who we're playing and uh, forget about all these groups that you split the draw into and all this kind of stuff. We're either off to Edinburgh to play Hibs or Lausanne in Switzerland, which is kind of in the German side of uh, Switzerland. Looks beautiful. I've been. Very nice indeed. It's got all these like walkways over the river. It's, you can imagine it's, well, I think I went more autumn-y time. No, no, it was the end of summer. It was when uh, there was a World Cup on. But yeah, really, really nice uh, part of the world. Of course, it's very expensive in Switzerland, but it's expensive everywhere. So considering the group group three we were in and you could have been in the arse end of all over the place we've got two kind of nice options for want of a better word and the hips offers up the potential john mcginn loving love fest and also potentially one of the higher away allocations we could have got in that playoff because there's a few poxy grounds in there i mean uh, lazan you're looking probably just under a thousand if that or around a thousand yeah well they sometimes like when they play rangers or celtic they give them a whole stand don't they yeah you get i think it's just over four thousand behind the goal don't know uh how uh, that works in it equates Europe. in terms of like the UEFA situation, but you'd think Hibs would want to. I mean, they can't price it above twenty five euros. Well, they're not uh, for the homestand. I saw. I had a look well, earlier just to see what they're charging Luzerne for, like, no, but for the Hibs fans as well. So everybody in the ground just pays twenty five euros, which is good. Yeah, hopefully Villa. But by the way, yeah. that that twenty five euro cap is. It doesn't mean that all away tickets will be that price. So if you're playing a team, for example, let's say normally their match prices are like equate to like nine pounds then there's a chance you could be paying nine pounds away ticket it's not as if all the home fans are paying nine pounds and then you'll be paying 25 so it's that is the maximum you'll pay as opposed to uh what you'll pay every time Mm -hmm. i had a meeting with uh, the football supporters association with it was based around european football and it was with clubs that have been in Europe regularly, fan reps from clubs that have been in Europe regularly, so obviously Liverpool's, your Manchester United's, uh, and the fan reps of teams that uh, are in this year, so Newcastle, Brighton, Villa, it's obviously new to us. Uh, in terms of Brighton, very new. In terms of Villa, Newcastle, we haven't been there for a few years. Interestingly, uh, Brighton had two staff members who were involved in like the planning of ticketing and everything which was good to see actually getting on the ground level and discuss it because you know you're discussing the process of how tickets are allocated which in many circumstances although it's not UEFA rules is you obviously buy them but then you actually have to pick them up in the country so this is normally either in a hotel not not normally at the ground it's normally at a at a point and say so this is like a discussion of like you know you you want this place to be on the way to the stadium you don't want to be like losing an hour of your time when you land to go off in a random location to pick up tickets so it's all a learning process and liverpool and united fans talking about situations with the police and essentially what to expect and and the the main thing is i mean there's not that big in a way culture in terms of way fan culture in a lot of countries. Always remember in France, for example, and Spain, there's not actually a, a big 
because they just put you in the middle of nowhere. They get you out of the way. I mean, there's, there's normally a net around yeah. you or a scratched out perspex. You're in a perspex, you know, yeah, box, that's what they have essentially. Yeah, San Siro, don't they? I used to go, lived in Paris. I went to PSG before they became what they became when they were mid-table. They'd always put the away fans right in the, like in the middle of nowhere behind this net and you just thought they treated like animals. And this is the situation so while everybody's like tripping over themselves to go on away tours there is that intrepidation that you do get treated like shit a lot of the times and also you have bad views you know the valencia when you're up in the nosebleeds as far away from anyone as you could possibly be yeah so uh, i'll do a mum's members uh, podcast about that meeting and i had a general uh, football sports association meeting as well where a lot of clubs are getting pissed off about uh, pricing some prices have been price increases have been sprung on a lot of fans without any consultation but listening to various people uh, talking about their increases i'm i'm just sitting there just going this 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 is like uh, chump change compared to what villa fans have been hit with over the last two years i mean you know they're talking oh there we've got five percent increase and somebody mentioned eight uh, percent somebody 10%, I forgot what club that was. And it was like, yeah, nothing. We got 15 this season. 15 and times two. Plus, and then last season, some people up to 50%. And, it, you know, that could have gone, they had, they kept it in the end because there's a few people. A couple of people I worked out because of the compound effect of having categories chopped off or zones cut out and then concessions squeezed. I think West Ham and Villa are the only two teams that put up the OAP from 65 to 66 and the compound effect of those three increases or squeezes, you know, some OAP prices were like their season tickets were 200% plus. And then there was youths in, I think the lower halt would be 220% increases. So the club had to cap them at 50 or else, 50% or else it would have been crazy headlines. Anyway, so expect more on the ticket uh, pricing and uh, don't get me started on that terrace view. It's a complete piss take. A lot of people have uh, said this. I mean, you know, we've we've mentioned it over the the last few months. But every week goes past, you see other little things like you have access to another exclusive away ticket ballot. So can't get a season ticket because you're thirty thousandth in the waiting list. Don't worry, if you give us one thousand five hundred and sixty pounds, you can jump the queue. Oh, we can't get access to away tickets. It's a closed shop. Oh, don't worry. You give us £1,560. We'll get you into a little private ballot where you can actually put down up to how many tickets you want per game, up to four. You saw that. You just think, what are you fucking doing, you idiots? Yeah, morons. Oh, and you see there's the, people, you know, the, the usual fans there. out there like who say, oh, well, you know, why are you complaining? You know, Villa are doing well. This is the whole idea. When the team is doing well on the pitch, that's when the commercial team go for it. It's their opportunity knocks. It's their window of like, right, hike the prices up, push whatever you want to get in there to gentrify the place, get more hospitality in. It's when they strike. And some fans who are like giving it a green light, I mean, I, I don't know. Are they into like Findom? I don't, I don't know. know what Findom is. No. Google it. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what it is, Phil? F-I-N-D-O-M. Yeah, oh, yes, I do. No, 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 I've looked it up. Are you, are you, are you oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I've got a VPN. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an abuse of the captive market. They know you can't go to another club. If you know, if you go to a restaurant or whatever and somebody's taking the, the piss out of your loyalty. You just go next door. You, you go to another restaurant, but you, you don't do that football and they know that and that's why it's a, a disgrace. 
which is funny considering you know, the Everton game is a pretty much a sellout, but there are roughly about, well, last time I, I had looked, it's 270-odd seats in the upper Holt end that are still available on the terrace view, but the Holt end is locked out. You know, you've paid that, what is it, 40 quid to be a member? Yeah, yep. have and you have And you can't access upper Holt. Disgraceful. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. If those seats are empty on opening day, they should be humiliated. Well, we'll be ripping the uh, the terrace view out of the Holt. Hopefully. Bring a, bring a crowbar, people. Bring a crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to edit that bit out. In terms of other news, nothing in, uh, in terms of transfers uh, post-DRB, really. You've just had like the likes of Louis Barry, Finn Azaz. Uh, well, Finn Azaz signed a new contract extension. Uh, oh, Louis Barry's... Louis Barry, yeah. Did he sign in yeah, one as yeah, well? Did, yeah. And uh, Louis Barry's been sent off to Stockport. I don't think he's going to make it nope. uh, in terms of the Villa context. Anyway, the first team. Sorry, Azaz has gone to uh, Plymouth. Uh, the most interesting thing, and this looks like there's legs to this, is the prospect of Aaron Ramsey reportedly off to Burnley on a permanent deal. And according to reports, uh, circa 12 million. Yeah, with a buyback clause, just in case he turns Comes out good. to be a superstar. Oh, we're like Manchester City now. Yeah. <laughs> Who do we think we are? But for me, that's I can't see his path into this Villa team anytime soon. Well, he's not. He didn't look to be better than his brother or Buendia or any of those guys. It's like you know, might be a good player, but he's nowhere near it now. If the money's so there, for me, it. the money's the money's good. Yep. And in terms I'm, of you I'm know, taking you, it in the context of the rest of the window, when you've you know Sanson's out the door, but not permanently, you're gonna you're not gonna make anything on Hawes or. Keenan Davis or any of these guys it's a good way to claw back a bit of the money yeah I'm putting it in the bank with the Trip Moeka money yeah, it's a good look back for the academy yeah shows the system works right uh, it's just the women at the World Cup yeah I'm just uh, I'm just thinking why it's gone on so long was it the Europe Euro- you were talking about the European draw yeah, yeah. meanwhile uh, a couple of Villa women's team players doing very well DVD our new goalkeeper, the Dutch keeper. I saw a few people after the uh, Swedish win against US on penalties saying, oh, we should go after their keeper. Not realising that uh, Daphne van Dumselaar looked really good against South Africa. Clean sheet and got man of the match. Yeah. Well, player of the match. Yeah, so. made some good, so as good as any, any keeper I've seen in that World Cup. So looks like a good signing because yeah. obviously we signed her at the start of the window. And I think it's an upgrade. Mm-hmm. what left still nobody's got to the bottom of what happened with her but uh, an upgrade was mentioning no names and then of course Rachel Daly uh, Rachel Daly showed Ollie Watkins how to take a penalty that's what I'm taking corner. from that brilliant penalty Ollie Watkins against Lazio that's exhibit A and exhibit B is Rachel Daly against Nigeria and there's, there's only one I mean, can can she play for the men's team just to do what Al Ghazi did and come off the bench to well, take like penalties? American football, a bit of special yeah. teams. Well, we do need a right back cover. <laughs> she seems to play anywhere but up front <laughs> for England, didn't she? Yeah. I said duo, but of course, uh, Dali, our French midfielder, is also still in the mix in the World Cup after she scored uh, in the France's 4-0 win over Morocco. So they're in the quarterfinals as well, which one of the three lionesses and I say lionesses in a villa context, will go the furthest in Australia and New Zealand. Before we go on, helping to support the show, NordVPN are back and offering 
a bumper deal to start the season off with, where you can get an extra four months free on top of uh, huge savings on the personal choice when it comes to VPN, of my old man said. As Mr. Shaw alluded to uh, a few minutes ago, if you want to protect your privacy on your devices and while you're browsing, then NordVPN allows you to use it on six devices. And... Of course, one of the key attributes of a VPN is it allows users to watch sporting events, TV shows, films, which aren't available in their region by switching their virtual location to a country where you can watch it. Perfect for those 3pm kickoffs on Saturday or 2pm kickoffs on a Sunday for the untelevised games in the UK. To grab your exclusive discounts, off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash moms and you'll receive four extra months for free and there's a no-risk Nord 30-day money-back guarantee as well. You'll find the link uh, in the episode description notes as well. So check it out. For the price of a coffee a month, it's a no-brainer for what you can do with it. Right, time for three points. Point number one, England's chances of hosting the 2028 Euros got a pretty massive boost, actually, and mm-hmm. this obviously has a knock-on effect for the Villa Park development uh, in terms of uh, Witten Station, hopefully. UEFA confirmed that it has received a request from the Italian Football Federation and Turkish Football Federation to merge their individual bids into a joint one to host UEFA Euro 2032, which is a bizarre duo a bit distance apart aren't they yeah and totally culturally different i mean i would love to have just euros in turkey so you can fully embrace turkish culture i love turkish food they love football and you know it'd be it'd be a great tournament similarly you you know italy you'd want to immerse yourself in italy and this kind of split things a bit weird because you'd have you know it's like you fly into a game for a couple of days rather than you know basing yourself there but is this a case of they they've got win they weren't going to win that bid for the 2028 or maybe some of their infrastructure is not ready so they want to make sure that it's not wasted what they've done so far so they're locking in yeah it could be any number of reasons couldn't it point number two new measures have been introduced this season to clamp down well, to improve the behaviour of players, managers, coaches, whatever that means, and then to clamp down on time-wasting, which means you're going to what you saw in... In the World Cup, basically. What we saw in the World Cup with the added time. Now, this leaves to, you know, the people leaving uh, to beat the traffic with 10 minutes to go. We're potentially now going to miss about half an hour of the yeah. game, or 25 <laughs> minutes. I mean, so. it's, you've already seen it this weekend. The standout start was... 33 out of 35 of the EFL matches lasted more than 100 minutes and that was only six of them this time last season. Yet strangely players and managers weren't consulted on any of it. Yeah, which is uh, very similar to like the Terrace View uh, at (laughs) the Holt End where the only consultation we got was like, oh yeah, we want to talk to you Holt Tenders, we got some ideas but everybody, then the survey goes out and, and all the fans just think it's about upgrading the concourses because they're still in the 1970s little did we know but in terms of uh, I mean I would have a a running clock that you see and you would stop it for injuries what else goal celebrations probably injuries definitely VAR definitely 
Yeah, and VAR. You couldn't have a running clock that stops every time the ball goes out of play because the ball's only in play literally no. 50 minutes you treat, on average. You treat it exactly the same as rugby. Rugby have nailed it. It's so yeah, good. We always say that about VAR they and have. everything. They have. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched rugby for ages, but <laughs> to the, the things that basically cause the time wasting have that clock running and then stop it when those things occur. And then players would have to, they can't just kind of roll around for half an hour because they're not actually achieving anything. Well, Martinez would be getting a yellow every game, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, point number three. Bit of a dirty point, this, isn't it? It's kind of- One of my nemesis, I mean, I support the New York Jets. Some people will know that. I mention it occasionally. And one of the nemesis of the Jets was always obviously the Patriots. They're in their division. And Tom Brady, because he just destroyed them every time. Apart from once, I think it's 24. 20- 11 when we beat them in the uh, the playoffs joyous joyous day like watching a miracle happen <laughs> but uh it's completely random he's popped up tom wagner has got him over there over to st andrews and he said tom brady i mean why is he joining tom brady is joining the birmingham city team is a statement of intent we are setting the bar at world class well wrong shape ball <laughs> tom fucking far away this bar it's miles away you, you, you wagner doesn't know the starting point you yet. won't obviously get visited the, the bar in small leaf now it says the goal that tom has committed to is to make birmingham city a respected leader in nutrition health wellness and recovery is this St. Andrew's hot yoga or something? <laughs> Smashed avocado at St. Andrew's. It's not quite going mean, to work, you, you know, you, you kind of uh, zone out. And if you've got Villa back in Europe and hopefully challenging the top four next season and suddenly Brady's getting eyeballs on Birmingham and they're focusing to, you know, at least try to get out of that league, then at least you're putting Birmingham back on the map and you, you're getting things started yeah. because, you know, Manchester have already got that locked down and, you do need to get a bit of razzmatazz going in Birmingham. So in that respect, it's not bad. It's a bit left field. Very left field. It gives me another reason to hate the Blues. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, in terms of sporting context, this is a, you know, it, it really nails that one down, cements it. So we'll uh, we'll see how that one pl- plays out. But I don't know. Respected leader in nutrition, health. I mean, they've got holes in the roof. They need to be a respected leader in construction. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think they should have went for like Lance Armstrong instead and getting a, a, sort of a, a program that might help them. Yeah. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Right. How do we see Villa then? What was your take on? Let's start off with the, the the American Premier League Summer Series. I mean, I think the the good news on that respect was, I think, getting that Diaby deal over the line so he could get out there. Yeah, that was important. I think because that was big. Just to get a, to obviously the bonding, but was to get him games like in against Premier League teams, he which obviously he'll be facing. So. Uh, that was perfect, and obviously he scored two in two. Good finishes as well. And it'll be interesting to see... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how uh, 
how that plays out, how how he, you know, if he continually, consistently makes impacts uh, in in the game, because we've seen before uh, in terms of wingers, they can go hot, hot and cold. But I think this is he's looking like he's playing off Watkins, doesn't he? Yeah. He'll certainly roam more than Bailey. I don't necessarily think he's a kind of hug the touchline type of winger. Well, I know he's looking more like they're kind of playing too, where he's got a bit of, uh, let's say, license yeah. to thrill. Yeah. yeah he's an exciting looking player. And what I thought when I saw him, especially in the game against Brentford, was this this could be the season where Watkins maybe plays his more complete game and doesn't score as many goals as, as normal because he, he was sort of holding the ball up and laying it through to Diaby a couple of times. So that's because we've seen Watkins be good at that before, especially in the Newcastle game last season when he played in Ramsey. So he's got that in the tank. So if you can get him and Diaby to get a sort of partnership going, it might be interesting yeah I, th- I, th- I thought across the whole tour actually I, th- I thought the interplay in sort of quite tight areas in the the opposition final third was brilliant you know with Watkins you know we saw Buendia in the first game didn't we against Newcastle um, I didn't think we were as potent against Fulham but certainly in the Brentford game when we you know we came from 2-0 down to swing it back to 3-2 I thought we played some brilliant football looked really yeah. had some real venom on the break I thought we were sort of you know the, the sort of the patterns of play across the field look really good. I think defensively, obviously he was tweaking. So you sort of you take the kind of fact that we shipped a few goals over there with maybe a pinch of salt. But when we got back to Warsaw and played Lazio, they sort of put it together quite well. And the same at Valencia, where well, let's not jump ahead. Let's stay on the uh, the topic. I mean, results wise uh, in in America. I mean, I think you got you got the impression, like for example, the first game against Newcastle. If that was a proper league Premier League game, I think. We were two nil up. I think we're winning that game from there. Well, you're shutting the game down more, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, and you know, obviously, it's the first proper game. I mean, I'm not really counting Warsaw, mm-hmm. and you're making you know big changes in terms of personnel. So, because you got to read read the scenario and what's happening, but also you read between the lines what could happen. And what I was reading between the lines there, we could have beat we sh- we would have beaten them. Uh, if that was a competitive yeah. game. I mean, obviously, we're playing them again, first game of the season, but, you know, other things have happened. You know, Newcastle have, have, have evolved since. I mean, they beat Villarreal 4-0, didn't they, in their last game? So it's not really an indication of what's happening, but I think Newcastle respect us for sure now. It's probably a mutual respect, I'd have thought. Yeah. It should be a good game, that one. I'm not expecting them to do what they did last season. No, I'm not <laughs> at, expecting Villa to do what they did either. <laughs> Oh, I am. <laughs> but no, I'm talking about uh, uh, St. James's, that yeah. game. The Brentford game, I mean, the Fulham game was what you would hope for and expect in the league if we played Fulham. Almost like a, a certain air of routineness about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a pity that Archer couldn't get in the score sheet because that was his one start and then he, he missed the yeah. penalty and he, he missed the, the chance just after it. So that was really the only negative of that game. Yeah, and you were expecting him to score, I think, in terms of the penalty anyway. Yeah, but even the, the work he did to win the penalty, he was just about to tuck the ball into the net and he got brought down. So it's small margins. Hopefully it doesn't Yeah, affect him. I mean, it's something I'm not going to you know read into it too much, but it's, it's, it is that back of my mind feeling we've, uh, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a few years now and we've referenced that that moment where you go, ah. Yeah. And Gary Gardner had one, I think it was against Chelsea, where he had a point blank range header and he was the great white hope, wasn't he? He was going to be the new, he was going to be the Villa's Gerard, and he, and he missed that and he thought, this isn't going to work out, is it? It's not happening. No. And with Archer, that was a big moment to put stick that one up because, you know, the team gave him that penalty. His teammates were like, go on, son, you know. Yeah, here you go. Get going. And it was like, ah, shit. But, you know, Watkins pops up later and does exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. With probably a worse penalty. 
Yeah, well, he's got a collection of those. Uh, no, but there was, a, there was a lot of positives to take from, well, obviously the games with the States and then afterwards. Interesting in certain things in terms of the, the midfield combinations. I thought Tielemans was, was, was very good once he sort of worked his way into the, the system. Louise and Kamara sort of carried on where they left off. But the interesting, I suppose, maybe question mark, if you want to call it that, is, is that defensive shape that Emery was playing with going to be the future or is he just going to revert back to yeah, how Yeah, we're just, uh, just going to Tillman's. He kind of started warming up against Brentford, didn't he? He did, yeah. He, did. he surprised me with his, it on. his passing. His passing's very sort of through the lines, as yeah. we've said before. It's he, he is looking. There's sort of like he's does a bit like what McGinn started to do towards the end of the season. He's like really you know cutting passes to send the the forwards mm-hmm. through. I mean the the assist that he got for Watkins in the Lazio game just took he was probably, probably four out that, of the game that first uh, first sort of hour against Lazio. He just ran the show because I was thinking about him and his emergence, and so far. Of the three signings, I think Diaby's he's the one that can add something significant in terms of getting us in the top four. But am I expecting it? I don't know. But suddenly, like Tillemans is like, actually, this makes us a lot more solid in terms of when you consider our form in 2023, where only Manchester City has a better record in the Premier League. Tillemans is the kind of signing that actually can keep that going and give you the kind of depth and cover as well. And it's not just a, a flash in the pan half the season type thing. But the thing about Tillemans is, so what, I mean, I you know, I was asked to name things for the BBC, name the 11 that starts against Newcastle. And I'm thinking, well, defensively, you probably go Konza, Mings, Battle Ready, rather mm-hmm. than uh, Pau Torres at the moment. I mean, maybe yeah. he starts to slide in in the European games and we see how that evolves. We'll talk about the defence in a minute. But you're thinking, would I go Tillemans over Kamara or Louise? I mean, if you're playing two of those three, who's your two? I go Tillemans over Buendia. Yeah? Yeah, I think I would too. I think he's got enough about him going forward that you don't lose. You, you mean you lose the the inventiveness of Wendy, but you don't lose. I think lose. he's inventive, though. I just think he's a different kind of inventive. And he has that shot on him if he yeah. lets loose with it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So you're thinking of playing him more forward than uh, as a as a or one just of as the a two. Con- or you potentially you move McGinn further forward and let him sit in almost like at the, the head of a kind of a three, like a little triangle type thing. I don't quite know how you'd slot it together, but you that. I think the four of them can play together. It, it probably gets more interesting when Ramsey comes back because then you've got real competition. But again, you know, uh, me and um, Dan, who sits next to me, we're talking at Lazio and we were saying, you know, the full guy at the moment in the midfield area looks like he might be Buendia, even though he did really well against Newcastle. In terms of balance and, as you said, David, about he gives you a much, sort of like a broader skill set, doesn't he, Tillemans? He gives you a bit of everything. Um, yeah, I kind of like Buendia but... though, but I think Buendia needs to up his consistency uh, and well reliability in terms of his end product because he could be like a, a real player. Yeah, well, he and could be setting a rocket off, couldn't it, if he goes? And he's got the strength as well. I mean, that's a, I one like thing his for sure. One thing with smaller players, you there's always a doubt. Oh, are we losing something, uh, you know, off the ball when we haven't got the ball defensively? But you don't with him. He's tenacious. He's he's strong as he proved against Newcastle. He's he's got exactly what you need in this uh, Villa team, which used to be you know too nice. In the middle of the park, we've got ammo all over the place with the guys we've got to come back. When you think about Ramsey or slot back in, you got Dendonka who'll be on the bench. But yeah, but that's you know that's a good month away, uh, Ramsey. But in the here and now, it's like uh, it's interesting, and and he is a proper player at Tillemans. Yeah, and he's he's always like 
I mean, we'd, we'd always highlight him as probably the you know the player that you'd want out of the Leicester team. When, yeah. when you said if you could pick any of their players, yeah, we, well, we, we he, always thought he'd go to a better club. If he yeah. plays over Buendia, you get what the, the call now the box midfield, don't you? You get yeah, Louise and Kamara sitting at the back corners of the box, and you get McGinn and Tillemans sitting in the front corners of the box, and that four moves as a four across the pitch. It's a pretty tasty yeah. four. That there's a bit of everything in there. Yeah, and it's as good as anything, really. Especially when you can bring, you know, Coutinho off and you've got little sparks off the bench. Yeah, you look at the bench, all of a sudden you kind of go, wow, we can really change a game now. It's not just slotting guys in when people get tired. You've actually, you can change your dynamic of the way you play, can't you? Uh, I mean, let's, let's stay up the top end of the pitch uh, before we get into the defensive situation. Uh, I think if you've got Ramsey out of the pitch, uh, then it's the intrigue of Coutinho. And I, I still want one last roadshow for... Uh, yeah, same. Coutinho and he set up a good goal against Valencia he did he looked really good actually in those last two friendlies I think but maybe because the pace or the intensity of the game was slightly down and we had, he had a lot of the ball I think he just wants to he's like give me the ball give me the ball and then he makes yeah. you know, little five ten yard passes and makes things happen and he looked really busy and he thought this is more like what we want to see from him but obviously you can see if he, he needs more games you can see he that does, yeah he needs to play but he looks healthier he plays better against better opposition. That's, yeah, he does. The, that's the body of work we'll have of him in a minute. Goals against Man City, goals against Arsenal, and then United, etc. Yeah, yeah. But no, he looked good. That was a that was a real sort of positive because you, you know a few weeks ago we probably thought well you might just be getting him fit to kind of get him out the door. Yeah. Whereas now you think, but about, I think if Villa want to be serious and go for top four, you, you're going to need things like you know you're going to need Coutinho yeah. to uh, make a Europe. contribution, and you're going to need Diaby to yeah. have a return. And people like Coutinho, you know, they're the guys who in tight games in Europe or in a cup game, and if you want to take, you know, if you want to fight on multiple fronts, you need all your sort of pieces. Match of the winners. Time. Yeah, you need match winners, exactly, who can maybe, you don't, you don't, you're not relying on him getting through 90 minutes, which I think Phil said on the last show, you know, Gerard was reliant on him getting 80, 90 minutes, but it's like, if you can get 20 minutes of real superstar quality, then great. Coutinho is somebody who uh, can unlock the door. Especially in Europe, and I, and I think you're talking about a European competition that you haven't got big hitters that will just dominate him, and he's somebody who can exist nicely in the Conference League and impose his will on teams. Again, when, or, when, when, or at least make an impact. Yeah, potentially when you've got a lot of the ball, the the, the, the tempo of the game is that little bit slower. Um, it suits him. Yeah, when yeah. the game when the the game sort of opened up a little bit against Valencia, the you know, the the Buendia goal, the way he just picks them apart, and he did it a few times. He did the same at Lazio. He was very unlucky with the free kick as well, but you just thought that's what he can do. He's got that little bit of X factor where he can still see a pass. You know, he can't run up and down for ninety minutes, but he can still pick a defender. You know, but the problem defense. is, he needs games, and will he get them? I, th- I think if he can get into the group stages, it opens the possibility and up to the League Cup. Yeah then there's potential to have a bit of a run there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you, you know, you need at least five or six. Yes, agreed. Starts kind of to... Uh, well, you know, concerted runs in the team. It's whether you're going to trust him to get an hour's... I, don't, I just don't think you're going to get 90 minutes out of him consistently over a run of games. But maybe you don't need to. If he starts in like the you know the group stages of of Europe and you know gets in the League Cup, then then he will be fit enough to bring off the bench to make impacts in the Premier League yeah. and you know in the big big boy games. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. With that. But the the intrigue, the main intrigue, is the defence. How are we going to line up? I mean, I, I just mentioned that I think he'll go for battle ready against Newcastle. I think he'll go Luca Dean on the left. Probably go Cash and then Mings and Konza as is. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why you change it. Now they finished the season so strongly, didn't they? That 
they've got the shirt for now. He just and Newcastle's attacking threats are wide up front. The the Duke yeah. are wide. I mean, you have Isaac pulls wide. You have Gordon runs wide, and you have obviously uh, uh, Harvey Barnes now for Newcastle as well. Yeah, I mean, I like Torres, and he looks like he's got all the attributes of being a real top player. But you, you saw against less in the Lazio game, definitely in moments of Valencia, he, he ain't a left back. Yeah, he's just not. You know, you might be a left-sided centre back, fine, and if that's the move to maybe go through it. When, when we say left back, we're we're talking more of that kind of hybrid, uh, yeah, left yeah, back, centre back that switches to a three. And so on the on the right hand side, you could the variation would be you play Konza in that position, and he's uh, probably more comfortable than yeah. Torres. Isn't the, he? the interesting thing, actually, through all the the US games and the, the the latter two friendlies, was that he never actually played Mings and Torres as a just a duo. Yeah, which I thought was it because that was kind of the one that everyone thought. Well, when he first arrived, well, Konza might be the fall guy. You're probably going to see him come straight in and play. And they haven't played together yet, which I find strange. Whereas like Chambers has played centre back, for example. Yeah, because the initial one was he played Konza and Mings one half, and then it was Torres and Carlos. Carlos and you're yeah. thinking, yeah, does he? He kind of he'd love to play Carlos and Torres as his first combo, but he it's knows not that there it's, yet. it's not there yet, and. Uh, by the way, the other combo's battle-tested and, and good. And Carlos missed the last two games, hasn't he? He's not been playing. Chambers, has, um, you know, he's, he played basically 90 minutes against Lazio, so he clearly likes him. He's consistent. He's very good on the ball. Carlos, I'm still yet to see quite... I, I do think he's right down the pecking order at the moment. He needs games, but I don't see where he's going to get them right now. Yeah, I think, I mean, Emery is pretty much... Uh, in terms of what the, the Villa verse is asking, in terms of transfers, you know, obviously upgrade on uh, Robin Olsen, and it looks like he's sticking with uh, his man. And then in terms of right back, and I don't think it's like a backup to Cash. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, to give Cash competition, either mm-hmm. to and usurp him or uh, make Cash better and focus to to keep his. I don't. Spot. I don't think we're in the market of buying. Backups. But I don't think so it's happening because he, he bigged up Chambers and he said, "I'm not seeing him as a, obviously a centre back anymore. I'm I'm looking at him as a uh, you know midfield, but right back was seemed to be the main focus. Mm. So as in that's the backup right back. It's either Chambers or Conza as a, like a hybrid. And that suggests, you know, that's enough. You've got three options there. I, I actually still, I wonder having seen him play and we'll, I don't want to move us around too much, but I also wonder if you were going to play three at the back and you already had to, you, I reckon you could play Philogene as a wing back who I thought had a really yeah, good Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that is if you're playing three, you know, proper. Yeah, I, I wonder if you might try and sort of work him into a, a bit like it's almost like the opposite of what Liverpool did with Trent but uh, I mean I mean that's you, you basically play it depends who you're playing I think yeah, it's kind I of horses agreed. for courses isn't well, it's, it? we've just got so many interchangeable parts annoyingly we're probably the only place we don't is straight down the middle up front where you lose Watkins you're thinking fuck like we're, we're like yeah but I think if you're looking at weaknesses still like weaknesses that could uh, yeah I think the, 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 the end game here is top four it's not derailing the season is you know it's it's not that sounds a bit dramatic, but I think in the context, if we're going for top four, and I think you know behind the scenes they are. I think the weaknesses are. I would say that right back situation. I don't know if I'm completely comfortable if you're saying to me, "Well, we got back up with Konza and uh, Chambers," because I think you want something really dynamic going forward, like we've seen with Moreno, and we thought we might unearth another Spanish gem that played technically very a very similar game. The other weaknesses we've got to almost irreplaceable players and that's Martinez yes because the backup I don't think is up to scratch 
And the other one is, uh, as we just said, Watkins. Yeah. Just for the way how we play, and we're because we haven't got anybody who uh, slots in there, and we're not financially clouty enough that we're going to go out and buy an upgrade on either of them because you, you're probably not going to. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like you, you, I mean, we're saying upgrade Watkins. It's we've been there before, but you know, he's, he's if he could take a fucking penalty, he'd be uh, <laughs> ultimate. <laughs> I mean, you saw with his finishing. You know, while he was a little bit wasteful in the Brentford game, I thought the finish against Lazio was great. The finish at the Mustai was great against Valencia. You know, he took some of his goals really well in pre-season. Um, yeah, but that penalty against rate, Lazio not so great. No, and, and that was the thing that you saw with Archer when he came on in comparison. We know the kid can finish, but Watkins is moving movement, the way he occupies you know, multiple defenders. Archer doesn't have that yet. I must admit I wanted more from Archer in this preseason. And I think he might have got more if he, when he started against Fulham, if he did a bit more, I mean, obviously mm. take score the penalty. I would have liked to have seen him play like a full 90 against someone just to kind of get a really good sort of sample size, I suppose you'd call it. Well, he needed to do more, yeah. I think, is the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, I think you, you can see somebody across, you know, a lot more game time in pre-season, but he, he's at a level in terms of his pecking order where he has to impress to get noticed. Not, yep. Yep. Well, let's see a bit more of him. It's like, we'll do something and then we'll we'll push you up the pecking order. Because this thing stands, you know, you think, well, if you really needed to, you just play Diaby down the middle. Yeah, which I think we've, have we had that argument on the air or is <laughs> it just off air? I think so. Because <laughs> I don't, they're not going to play the five foot seven chap as the, uh, the the lone striker, I don't think. Yeah. And then where's Duran? Where in the world is John Duran? Uh, well, you keep saying that, but it's been explained. He's injured. He's been injured. Hmm. <sighs> And he's part of the plans. I mean, there's yeah. Emery said it. The strange one was Dendonka. I, I understood he was, you know, his um, partner had had a child in the America, you know, during the American tour. And I get why he wouldn't go away. But I thought we'd throw him straight in against Lazio or Valencia and try and get him some minutes. But nowhere mm. to be seen. If they were offloading, I mean, we'll get on to uh, this in 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 media muppets. But Dendonka's not out the woods yet. No. In terms of if there was, a, you know, the last, you know, later on in the window, he's one. Carlos. Wouldn't be surprised if he went. More of that in a minute. But beyond that, I think everybody who's gone is expected. You know, your Sansons, for example. You're just looking to get rid of Davis and Hawes, aren't you now? Really just clear clear your wage bill up a bit. Yeah, and you know, you're essentially looking for a championship suitor there. I mean, more for them, because uh, I don't think they would want to drop her uh, any further down. No. And to be honest, they they both would do a job. They're at that, that level. Take. That's their level. Yeah. Right, and so the other, I mean, the, we've mentioned him a couple of times, uh, Philogene, I think is a plus, and he had a pathway. He had he, he almost had, was like penciled in the squad for Europe uh, and the quota, mm-hmm. and, I, and he, I think he did enough to justify that turning into being penned so, yeah. in. Well, he gives you something slightly different, doesn't he, compared to what else you've got in that position. Yeah. Just because he's a natural right footer, he's very direct, he's quick, I like that. And you can get rid of uh, Traore, which I think you know that's been on the cards. Yeah, he'll be on good money, Traore as well. So it would make yeah, it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's why he's, it's hard to get rid of him. Yeah. Right. It's time for a bit of uh, medium Muppets. Right, Phil. A little bit different. More of a review of 
what's been happening, but obviously through a uh, media muppet lens. Uh, so what's been floating around in the troughs uh, over the last week or so? Well, well, we'll start with team talk. The headline is disastrous Gerard signing to gain big move to Eurogiant as agent intervenes. That that is a super clickbait, and uh, I, I love it. It's like how you can see the work in the science behind that one. Disastrous Eurogiant. Yeah, <laughs> big move. It's got it all, doesn't it? I mean, this is all about Diego Carlos being offered to Inter Milan for I think they were saying sixteen to twenty now. Regardless if it's true or not, I mean, Emery's been talking about four good centre-backs and I would love to start the season and keep, you know, after the window shuts to have those four. But if somebody said to you, 20 million for Carlos, what would you say? Thank you. <laughs> Chris? <laughs> Muchas gracias, sorry. <laughs> Muchas gracias. I think you'd probably have to cut your losses, wouldn't you? At his age as well. Yeah, because I think Chambers is fine as a, as a fourth centre-back, i.e., you're not going to need him that much. He's not going to be starting games. And you can play Dendonka, Kamara. You've got other utility options if needs be. Yeah, because at the moment, I can't see Carlos getting ahead. I mean, you could say, well, it could be a partnership for the... It's like, you know, you Yours. play your reserve goalkeeper in League Cup games or, you know, conference games. You could play Carlos in every conference game. And if it was all right, potentially win the tournament still. So there is that. I mean, it's a good option to have, as you said. If, if the right op, if the right money option came, you would. He would they'd, be, they'd be paying him a great wage because they yeah. they had to. I mean, they paid thirty odd million, and to get him away from Champions League football, Champions League football, they'd have paid him a good wage. So I can't see, even though if, you know, somebody's saying, "Oh, twenty million, I can't see even Inter Milan maybe after his long term injury giving him what we're giving him it's now. A huge so that's, risk for someone. That's part of that why I'm thinking this is, you know, obviously uh, two plus two is five. But as a we mention it because it is a existential, hypothetical, call it what you want question. Because he's not looking, as you said, he didn't. He hasn't featured really at the back end of preseason. What else? What else you got for next, us? Next, we have Estadio Deportivo, and its headline is Aston Villa begin discussions to sign ten million world champion who would complete the jigsaw. So, What's, who, how big's the jigsaw? How many pieces? <laughs> well, I I wouldn't mind this one because it's the player they're talking about is Sevilla's Gonzalo Montiel. So he's a fullback. He's a definite penalty taker. He's twenty six. I I'd take him. I mean, I always I always used to like full back penalty takers. I mean, it, this is used to be an eighties thing. It was like Ray Stewart of West Ham, Stuart Pearce, Stuart Pearce, Staunton, David Unsworth, David Unsworth, Kenny Sampson. Did he take him for Arsenal? Yeah. Andreas, yeah, Bremer, I always liked a full back penalty taker. Steve Staunton could smash a penalty, couldn't he as well? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Montiel scored the the World Cup winning penalty, and he scored in the. The Conference League final penalty as well. So, mm. or no, sorry, the Europa League final penalty as yeah, well. Europa so, League, yeah, yeah I, I would take him at 10 million. And of course, there's the, the Sevilla Monchi connection. So, I think 10 million would be a pretty a snip for him. But like I said, I don't think they're looking down that route yet. Yeah, the one thing that is getting boring is these Felix uh, continual. Uh, that's pretty much, that's very medium up a tree, I think. It is. Day doesn't go past without a well a Felix Villa story. Well, of course, he's a he's a big profile player who his big club don't want him anymore. So his his agents having to graft to get him somewhere. 
Yeah, and Villa probably made an inquiry at the start, and he went, "No, I don't want to go to Villa." And that's right, right, fair enough. But then it's probably the only offer that he's actually yeah, received. Yeah, might be that you know, late in the window. I wonder if Villa are kind of getting the house in order to maybe make a little move for something. Buds fueling the fire. Not for him, <laughs> but someone later in the window, just you know, clear your deck and go right. We've got a pot now. Clear your wage bill. Right, we know what we can fill. Mm. I wouldn't go for him, but. Someone. I think he's a good player. I think you don't. No, no, no. Wrap this up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what you got? Finally, what's your opinion on the Community Shield? In what way? I mean, it's, it's my favourite trophy. I mean, I think... Yeah, so what do you want me to no, do to that's va- just validate your, yes, validate your choice of trophy? Because there, there seems to be a lot of validation going on in the media, or invalidation, would you say? Because you have... A series of tweets from many football talking heads. You've Jake Humphrey going a massive moment for the season. Chris Sutton going Arsenal have just won the World Cup. Jan Aga Fjortoft going, oh, you know, basically just criticising both sides and saying the team that wins the community should celebrate too much. Then you have Rio Ferdinand going, I couldn't tell you how many community shields I've won, belittling it. So I which can, ones? I tell you how many I've won as well. Yeah. So which which ones? Which sort of opinions? Right. I mean, I think it's a it's a worthy enough trophy because it's a bit like the Masters in golf. You're in it by invite only from how well you did the season before. The only thing I, I, I've ever I've ever thought about the community shield is to this day. I still sometimes in my mind think about when Villa were last in it against Spurs. Quite an exciting game, and I, I kind of I like the Spurs team at that time as well. It used to win the FA Cup. Uh, wait, win it a couple of times on the trot, and yeah, two all. And I kind of like the idea of like the players were there together for a group winning drawing photo, and, and it was so unique that because at that time, anyway, in my football supporting life i hadn't seen anything like that a, a group shot of like teams mixed up you know mixed up of players i think they had like even wearing each other's scarves i think uh, and then you shared it for like six months each and i thought is that is that kind of cool or unique rather than having to have go straight to penalties it's almost like it's an inconvenience so let's go you know we ain't got time for extra time let's just go to penalties get this shit show out of the way i kind of i like the idea of torturing especially if villa aren't involved like torturing arsenal and manchester city fans you've got to share it you drew yeah. you share it you're both walking away feeling like you've lost you're both losers yeah because every everyone's saying Arsenal have got over the mental block of beating Man City. Well, no, you haven't. You've... Which is absolute bollocks. Yeah, I mean, so everybody you agree with them. You heard the comment. Just... I mean, I only caught the last uh, few minutes of that game, but you heard the commentators already. You know, they've they set their narrative up and uh, Manchester City again. You know, blah 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 blah, and then a deflected goal, the almost the last kick of the game, deflected like it's it's not like skill. And then suddenly it was ah oh, Manchester City uh, they're two weeks behind uh, Arsenal have, have you know they've got over the block it, this is huge and they were celebrating like they'd won the World Cup it's kind of bizarre it just it it sometimes it, and you see it it's like there's such laziness in football media like man of the match will be the person who scored the goal if it's a one nil win and in this case it was like Arsenal have got over their mental blah blah, blah. well hang on a minute what, what? how did they do it they, they deflected goal in the last minute and then they went on penalties it wasn't like they beat Manchester City in regulation time yeah, in a proper game played them off the park did they and I think I would probably go with Rio Ferdinand there you, you don't remember how many you win unless you're like a Leicester and it's like your only trip for you know a very rare trip to Wembley and you win it then you go, oh yeah, we won an FA Cup and a Charity Shield. 
but I would bring the drawback just out of uh, macabreness. <laughs> yeah, why? Well, it would be a unique selling point for the thing. So yeah, bring it back. I couldn't even tell. I remember Lester had won because I saw it on Elliman's profile that he'd won. <laughs> Yeah, I'll see any reason why. That's the note to finish on. It doesn't guarantee success for a season. Liverpool won it last season. Leicester won it the season before. They didn't exactly have stellar seasons. It's literally a pre-season game. That's all it is. Yeah. Right. We can't leave without... uh, I don't know what to call this. We didn't do a show, uh, well, in the lead up to the uh, the start of the championship. But it's it's Emery's clipboard because he's still interested. He wants to know if getting rid of Wesley was a good idea. But it's also the regeneration of the Scott Hogan touch count challenge. But it's also with Wesley as well. It's two for the price of one. Now, we're going to do this in advance. So we're, I'm going to get these guys and, and myself, why not? to uh, predict the combined amount of touches between Wesley and Scott Hogan next week. Oof. Okay. What you can you? play a, a, along at home as well. Pick a figure and then when we get to it uh, next week. But uh, for starters, let's do uh, the first first opening weekend of the championship. Combined total, Wesley, Hogan, give me it. 20. Oof. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> uh, I don't think I don't even think either of them played. I I know Wesley played. So how did they get twenty then? <laughs> like five minutes here and there. So. I don't uh, even think any of them played. But twenty though. <laughs> I'll go for nine. Right, first clue. Wesley came on ninety first minute. Four one up, weren't they? Of Stokes four one win against Rotherham. Hogan started, came off at the eighty fourth minute. Uh, I can't even remember what Blues' score was. 1-1. One, 1-1, one. One, one, yep. So that's, there's your clues. So Hogan did 84 minutes. Uh, Wesley came on in the 91st minute. One touch for him then. Um, one headbutt. I'm going to go 15. Uh, I'm just going to interrupt Phil by saying, if you call it resurrection from, from the dead, I don't know what to call this segment. The resurrection segment. <laughs> oh, that's the uh, reference to when I... I think on one show when I described him after uh, Everton wasn't it yeah when he did he pretended to be dead he, that was the frustrating thing about Wesley built like a tank but anybody got within five centimetres of him he went down like he was dead and and sometimes conned his teammates into thinking he was dead <laughs> yeah, that's why whenever <laughs> ben, him. whenever Ben made Hagelin was still held out hope until the news came through yeah no you, you right. didn't believe it did you no. yeah you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe he's faking his injury like two weeks after he got injured for sure 13. I'm going to give you a clue. Wesley got involved when he when he got on the pitch. Oh, hell. <laughs> Yellow card. That's a, more, let's say it's more than you would expect. Hogan, uh, Hogan was kind of Hogan-ish. 25. I'm going to be generous. 25 from the bud. Right, it's going to be higher. Final offering from the shore. One, one or the other, isn't it? Um, 24. Do you mean one or the other? Higher or lower than 25? Well, 28. Chris oh, Bud gets hell. that one. Talk about first day of the season. No Wesley, speed. four touches. He came on in the 91st minute. What on earth was that's he like, doing? That's like, that's like equivalent of Hogan in a whole game sometimes. Wow. Hogan that, got 24. Time. The game probably lasted 105 minutes. Wow, can he do it on a wet afternoon at the Britannia? He can. So that's kind of a warm-up. So uh, the bit real business starts now. So the way we play this is, at least you got an inkling there, Hogan is starting for the Blues. Mm. Wesley, he is going to be played as a sub. Maybe when they're in, only, only when they're full one up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, next week, Ipswich play... Uh, sorry, Stoke are away to Ipswich. 
and Blues are at home to Leeds. Ooh. Ooh. So what is, their com- one. what is their combined touch count? I'm going to stand by 20. Better write this down. Phil Shaw? I'm going to go 18. And uh, for a tiebreaker, what will Nakamba's touch count be for Luton? <laughs> we'll be running the show. Yeah. 45. They're away at Brighton. Oh, <sighs> tough one, that. Yeah, 45. I'll go 37. Sorry, I'm not even writing these down. Uh, 45, <laughs> Nakamba, 37. If you're listening to this, give us a title for this. We'll refine it as we go along. And as a final note, I was literally just scrolling through my phone and I remembered I got sent a video of Lucas Dina at Warsaw passing a corner straight out for a goal kick. How did I oh, forget yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, if you're in Birmingham or in on the outskirts of Birmingham, we will be having a bit of a match club live meetup. Four members, but uh, all are welcome at the Malt House in Birmingham. It's not so much like an event. We're not doing live podcasts or whatever. It's more a get-together for the uh, the start of uh, the season. But uh, the Malt House, hopefully it's a good day. I think the weather's turning, isn't it? Uh, yes, fine. That weekend, so there'll be a bit of sun and the Malt House is on the canal with uh, outdoor areas. So we are invited to uh, do, if you can, make it. Or if, you, uh, if you're around town, do pop by and say hello. That's it's near the uh, Birmingham Marina and opposite the Sea Life Centre. Sea Life Centre, you can access it from you know Broad Street. But speaking of my old man said members, actually a big shout out to the my old man said members for supporting the show as usual. As you have seen from the last week, there's been a lot more extra shows. This is uh, going to be a focus of the new season. We did a show on, uh, well, I did a show on Monchi and the Power Block that's forming at Villa, as well as a Mad Few show. Did a, a little test show with Armin, who does Five Reasons to Be Cheerful, who'll be doing the Europa Vision show. And uh, I'll be doing one on the, the European picture and off the record from the meeting the uh, Football Supports Association. And we'll start doing an after-hours show as well. So if you want more, then definitely become a My Man Said member and you'll get access to uh, Match Club. But please do uh, go to myomansaid.com and click on the membership link for more details and to sign up there. And special uh, thanks uh, over the last week or so to Matt Hassel for becoming a member also Malachio Donalds, Dave Brownhill, and there's a few people renewing their annual pledges as well. So a big thanks to Mark Nuswaskelski, Gary O'Connor, Alex Grimshaw, Craig Miles, Stephen Varanis, Sheldon Palmer, Rob Lemon, and I think she goes by this name in uh, Match Club, the dystopian dream girl as well. Thank you very much. You full McGregor, you. Thank you very much indeed. And you are the bedrock of why we keep rocking and rolling. So we'll be bringing you more extra shows and, of course, ad-free shows as well so you get the podcast in its purest form. Right then, gentlemen, not very long to go. Can you sleep at night? Comfortably, mate. Yep. They're confident, confident of top four and silverware. That's what I like to see. Finally, we're in the position where we, when I set up my old man set, I, I was hoping that, we, you know, we'd get to the kind of the realms of, it used to be cycles to support in Villa, but there's, there would always be a cycle every decade of being at the top end. And uh, I'm talking about the 80s, well, 70s, 80s, 90s, 70s before my time of winning silverware. 
and challenging for the title. I don't know what happened, but uh, the 21st century has not been kind to Aston Villa. It has not. It's been far too long. And uh, the Martin O'Neill years were the last time that we went into a season... Expecting, really. With expectations of... And, you know, the goal was the Champions League qualification. And you know, some people have kind of forgotten about that. But uh, there was genuine excitement there. And we were only, we were genuinely only a couple of players away from uh, doing some serious damage. But nowadays, I think it's harder because I think the top teams are, well, the, the shadow of Manchester United was always over the league at, at that time. But let's see how we go. Because I think we've got a fighting chance now to uh, definitely disrupt this league and with the Europa Conference League actually win something for the first time in many Villa supporters' uh, lifetime. So until we begin the process, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Updated news. Unfortunately, Mr. Buendia looks like he's out. I would say for the whole season, it's not looking good. But we'll get into that on something for the weekend with the context of uh, Emery's press conference on the injury. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.